0: Pam Ochoa, I have a question today, and I'm feeling good, so I got a very specific question for you today. Okay. My, (laughs) oh man, my question for you is, off the top of your head, what is one lesson that you can remember in your career that catastrophically failed?
1: That failed?
0: That failed. (laughs) Only
1: one? Oh, my goodness. Failed. You know, I try to wipe all that out of my memory. (laughs) I I will tell you, we were doing uh, years ago. When I say years ago, I was pretty young, so it was years ago. Uh But anyway, uh, I decided that I needed to bring Helen Keller's you know, experience to the kids. I don't know if you ever heard of Helen Keller, but she's blind. Never. And she can't hear. Mm -hmm. And uh, so anyway, we were reading the miracle worker, which is a great piece. You know, it's a great work, but I decided for an observation that I was going to make it tactile. And so the kids, so I had the kids create their own language and it just, it just, Well, anyway, they had some codes I wasn't quite familiar with. I don't suggest you have the kids create their own language because then they start, you know, like they had to create their own signs, which I think was good, maybe, except for one problem. They were high school kids, and uh, they really didn't care about classroom appropriateness. And so some of the signs didn't quite go the way I wanted and I was being observed, so it kind of, it kind of epic failed. Uh, After I got into the principal's office and they let me know what they thought about it. (laughs) So anyway, that was was one one that I can think of right off the top
0: of my head. Oh, my goodness. And, you know, with that, (laughs) let's just go a short (laughs) intro today. This is Craft and Draft with Pam Ochoa and Jacob Chastain, or as we said on the last episode, Jacob Chastain and Pam Ochoa, it doesn't matter what order it is. We are co-hosts, co-creators of the Craft and Draft system, process, and we're partners in crime... And even though no one would have ever pictured that just a year or so ago, something right. happened and the universe aligned, but we're here today <laughs> to talk lesson planning, which I'm super excited about. You know, I'm not, I, I, you know, I don't know this about you. I'm going to ask you another question. Oh, Are no. you, do you consider yourself like a lesson planner? Like, do you go home? Like when you're like at that time and just like lesson plan, like make really detailed plans before you go in or, or were you at some point?
1: I was at some point. I, I probably still am, uh, but I have so much of it in my head now that I kind of already know what I'm going to do sometimes before I ever do it. But I would say I've been complimented, if you will, on how detailed I make my lessons, especially when I was doing my uh, lesson plans and turning them in. One of the principals one time said, "I you have you have all these details. I really appreciate your lessons. And they've even used it for models. Uh, probably when I was, I would say about 15 years ago or so, was when some of my lessons were used as a model lesson. Uh, right. I've even written lessons for that National Geographic. So I've done some things like that.
0: Yeah, that's, I, you know, I just, I'm not really... Like, a detailed lesson planner. You know, I've gotten, like, emails from people who, you know, they listen to my work or me on something. Or, like, I've, sh- I've made videos, like, about my, like, um, classroom transformations and stuff like that. And people come and they'll ask me for details about something. And honestly, I don't always have the details to give. I, I-, I really have to, like, add the details on paper for people who want them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's it- it's like... Uh, i put my because what i usually do is i have an idea and sometimes i'll like a lot of the times i'll like if i'm teaching a piece for instance and i really want to hit specific things i'll jot down like on a sticky note or something like that like questions that i want to ask or i'll i'll really pinpoint one line in a poem that i want to hit if the kids don't uh you know if i say hey what do you notice and they never point this out i'll make sure to use that teaching point still but for the most part, I don't really consider myself a lesson planner so much as a almost like an event creator. <laughs> I guess I've never used that term before until well, right think, now. But.
1: I think that's a, a neat idea is to be an event creator. I think there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's great. Uh, I think I've evolved over time. Yeah. As far as like what I can do, I think part of it is because. I evolved so slowly, it took me, I I wasn't able to internalize it. (laughs) Well, we all have our own time. Yeah, no, I I think I have some things that I specifically fall to. There's like some principles that I, when I lesson plan, I just know we're going to work. So I make sure it has these parts in it, no matter what I do.
0: For sure. Like for me, I think some, you know, there's always a standard like, you know, for for like ever since we developed craft and draft, uh, that's my model, right? That's right. I know that every lesson is going to more or less click on every piece that we've made sure to kind of put in order a certain way. And, you know, sometimes I play with the order and sometimes a lesson needs something else. But for the most part, 90 percent of my lessons um, follow. The, the pattern that we've laid out. Um, now, for people who are listening, the reason we're mentioning this stuff about lesson planning and whatnot is we are going to spend two episodes diving into lessons. Uh, Pam Ochoa, she's going to introduce us a lesson, and we're going to kind of talk through it as a team. And I'm going to ask questions and kind of probe her thinking behind certain choices. And maybe she'll do some out of the box thinking as we're kind of going through it, kind of live lesson planning, if you will. And then uh, episode two of this little short series, we're going to flip it and then I'm going to do it on uh, the mic and go through it and go through the thinking. So we figured this would be a cool way to just kind of model the process that we go through to model our thinking. And I think, you know, sometimes we... We pretend like lesson planning is like this mystical process sometimes, but really I think it's just knowing kind of what's best practice and trying to figure out how to how to get that to work for your kids and knowing your kids and knowing what they need next um, or figuring out if you don't know what they know. Then going into it and talking about okay, so how do I know? How do I get to know what they know? That way, I can teach them what they need to know, <laughs> um, and hopefully, this these two episodes are really useful for people and everything like that. So, to start the lesson planning, um, we're gonna pitch it to you, Miss Ochoa. So. I have no idea. We briefly talked about this off air about what you're going to do, but other than that, I really have no idea kind of what you're thinking is. So let's start from the top, and then I'll just kind of, we'll kind of go have long. This might be a 30 minute episode. This might be a five hour episode if we run into some uh, lesson planning turmoil. But uh, we'll see what happens. So what are you what are you planning? What's coming up? Where, where is your brain going for these plans?
1: What's coming up in our curriculum is we have to write informational text we have mm-hmm. to write write that and um, so the actual standard itself is uh, students are expected I just did the expected part but it's it's of course to draft but expected to compose informational text uh, using a controlling idea uh, multiple paragraphs with genre genre characteristics and craft so that is the heart or the main, point of which I'm supposed to plan toward. But then I looked ahead and some of the stuff that's coming up, according to our curriculum, according to the standards from our state, uh, we have to do, in time, an argumentative essay. Uh, We have to do composed correspondence. Uh, In that correspondence, it needs to be either an opinion, a complaint, a request for information for business purposes or friendly purposes. Uh, students are expected to research, create their own topic. And so that's some of the stuff that's coming up throughout the year. So I was looking at it as well. But what I'm actually supposed to focus on is informational text. And we're supposed to be doing some informational uh, reading, some reading. And the way my team has chosen to break this up, because we're expected to of course work together as most teams are but through our plcs and things like that they asked me to head up if you will this particular piece because they weren't sure how to go about it
0: in a way that's not boring yeah well i mean that's a challenging thing right i mean we mm-hmm. um you know one of the things i think we're equally passionate about is the the getting writing to be fun because the more authentic you make it, uh, the more engaged your students are gonna be, the the better pieces you're gonna get. Like I always like know that if a teacher's like, Man, I really hate reading my students' writing, it's either A, they're not naturally an English teacher, or B, they're over-assigning topics, right? They're controlling too much of what kids are writing. Because that's that's like a dead giveaway. If you don't like reading what your kids are writing, they're not free enough. Um, and you're, I mean, this is, this is your bread and butter. You're an Abydos trainer. You are Mm -hmm. the queen bee of taking these concepts and moving them into authentic ways. So when you, this idea, so you're, you're going into kids need to write informational pieces. What does that look like in your head? Just without even like pulling out lesson plans or anything like that. What does that look like to you? What's the, do you have an end product in mind of how you want that to look?
1: I want the students to be able to write something that they really want to write about. I just think that if they can write about stuff that they're interested in, it's gonna go better for all of us. We just finished a piece that well, I wanted to do this earlier, to be honest. And they and I started sharing it with the with, you know, my idea. I didn't have it I actually as a lesson plan, but with my team and they're a little bit they're younger and they don't have the training at this point that I that I have had, so they don't have the same. They're not coming to this with the same experiences, which is why they want me to kind of lead because they're in the mindset of learning. But when I started sharing this idea with them, they immediately were like, "Uh, I no, I know, because we have to we have this test coming up and we need to teach the kids how to write to a prompt. So I really didn't want this to be prompt writing. That's not what I wanted. Because to me, prompt writing is more for test taking. And I think that's a totally different genre. So what I just did was I had to figure out how to kind of get what I want without making it formula. So I went ahead and gave in to them. And I I asked them, okay, I'll do that if you want me to create the lesson. I'll create the lesson with prompt writing. So I actually stopped and we taught the students how to read a prompt and how to actually write a, a thesis statement to the prompt. Uh, what I want this to be, and, and then we gave them a prompt that they had to plan for. Of course, we they didn't really write the full thing because I felt like that was over the top, like what you're talking about, just assigning to be assigning. And I didn't want to do that. So I stopped it at the plan. So they've actually been taught how to plan for a short little essay for a test, but they haven't really written an essay for the test, like that little star type writing that we're about to do in this next week. So this one is going to be happening after that. So I've got a week to plan it out. What I want this to look like is I want this to be something I want to read. I want them to be able to choose the type of genre because it's our our standards say informational text. So what I want the students to explore is what is informational text? We have a tendency to just give the students an article and say, that's informational text. But Jacob, last year, or no, was it last year? No, two years ago now. I can't believe that much time, Scott. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, but when you and I were working together, there was something that you did that I kind of want you to review because I think it'll help me. And that was when you, taught the students how authors think about different things. And if I'm if I'm saying too much, that's okay. Let me know. But yeah, you're good. where you have an author, you know, it may be the same topic, but all these authors address it in a different way in, in order to in, in a result of that is different genres. So I know this is informational text. I know we have to do certain type, but anyway I wanted you to kind of tell me a little bit more of that process that you did, just a little sure. bit. Sure, sure. I think um, you know what I'm
0: talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about cause because I raved this is, over it a lot. Well, <laughs> what well, we do talk <laughs> about, it, but that is that the success I had with that unit has informed a lot, and it actually informs the lesson I'm going to talk about on our next episode. But oh, okay, well, um, all right. No, it's good. It'll it'll be double. Um, this will be a nice teaser. But okay. Um. So it, the only difference was when I did that lesson. The idea was that we just got new standards here in Texas. And for all the, the Texas listeners, you know, we, have, we have an international audience. Um, but in Texas, uh, we don't follow the exact same standards as the majority of the United States. Um, they're very similar. Um, but we have, they're slightly different here because we're not common core. Uh, so our standards, the way they came down to secondary English – was this whole idea of they're not really genrefied anymore? Now we still teach. There's some standards that are limited to the genre, like you know we have a line break um, standard, right? That talks about like breaks in poetry, so that has to be connected to poetry. Um, but mo- the majority of our standards are wide and encompassing all genres to a degree. And when I was a literacy coach, when we first worked together, I had. Uh, the challenge of going okay, these are brand new standards. How how do I get my kids to keep reading a bunch of stuff? How do I keep exposing them to a variety of genres, authors, ideas, purposes, um, and still teach informational writing? We were in argument um, at the time, so it was a little bit later in the year. But what I essentially did and. What I wanted to do is I I I, I thematized, thematicized um, the, what I was teaching. So I picked something that they were all connected to, technology, really easy. Okay. And we looked at all of the arguments kind of for and against technology. And there was three main pieces of media and writing that I chose. Um, number one was The Sound of Thunder by Ray Bradbury, which is about – a house that is in the future and it just kind of survive on its own. Like a robot AI is kind of controlling it and it makes the eggs and all of that stuff. But the people are gone and throughout the whole story, it alludes to the fact that there was basically like a nuclear war or some type of war that killed everyone and this house is just kind of living on its own. So we looked at it through that lens. We looked at a poetry Um, A slam poem about technology, which is my favorite slam poem of all time. It's called Touchscreen. For anyone listening, just YouTube Slam Poetry Touchscreen. It'll come up. It's a brilliant poem. Um, I basically pulled that text. um, I found like a PDF of it, and we read it and analyzed it and did all that. Looks for the arguments um, against technology there. And then we read an article about technology in the brain. And basically what I use those three things for is after we analyzed all three, I pitched the challenge to my students. I was like, okay, so all of these inform us in different ways. I want you to pick the one that you are most comfortable with or the one that interests you the most. And that is what you're going to frame, whatever argument you're making, whatever information you want to talk about. I want you to do it in that genre. Um, And they did. And kids flew. I had kids write really great poems About whatever they were talking about. Um, I had a kid, and you know him very well. The moment I say the topic he wrote about, he wrote a poem about gun ownership. And he was, you know, he was a hunter, and guns were kind of like his passion. And you know what? He he wrote a great poem about uh, gun ownership. And I had students write about all kinds of stuff. Um, some of them who struggled with ideas wrote about technology because that's what we modeled, which is always what I see the model text for is like the – if you can't find anything, you have these um, you know guides to kind of take you along that path. But taking that multi-genre approach – showed them a bunch of different genres, showed them a bunch of an authors, showed them a bunch of different purposes. And I was able to give them three different models to choose from. That way I didn't limit their genre. I just gave them options to focus what we were doing. And we, I mean, it was great success. that That's the stuff that uh, I really loved that lesson.
1: I did too. And I think that's kind of where I felt like this one might be possible, but it's coming in it from a different direction. Maybe. But anyway, so what I'm gonna do that the idea here is informational text. Have them write about something that they want. First of all, I need to introduce. Don't you think I need to introduce informational text to them, what it is, maybe show them like what you're talking about, but maybe a variety yeah, or maybe well, brainstorm where they get their information? What do you think?
0: Ooh, I actually really like that because you know <laughs> I I feel like as teachers and definitely in our textbooks, We tend to think informational is just articles, but that's not really true anymore. Right. Like we have, there's social media posts, there's tweets, like tweets are informational text given the right context. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, that's true. I didn't even think about that until just now when you said that, but yeah. So maybe just brainstorm, where do you get your information from? Yeah. That might be the way we start.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Or maybe even ask them like, where does your parents get their information from? Oh, okay. Ooh, it would be Add cool that. to do a gener- – like maybe for your honors kids, do a a generational thing. Like where do you get your stuff, where do your parents, and where do your grandparents get it from? Okay, I like Cause that. Because I bet they would all three be different or relatively oh, yeah. different.
1: Yeah, I bet they would. Okay, I'm writing it down. I'm writing it down. <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: you're good. <laughs> I, I, There's I, a I'm, pause. I'm writing it down. I'm thinking about it from my end too, because I think that's a really cool thing because if they have young parents, it might be really close to kind of their how they get information. Um, well, and, and we also have a lot of
1: uh, immigrants yeah. in in our communities. you do uh-huh. and I do in ours. And when I ask them, so who all do you, you know uh, so who are you live with because sometimes I might say your parents and their their parents aren't even in the picture. But then also they might say, well, I live with my grandma and my mom. And my, and so they live in a generational house. A lot of them do. And they have all of the generations there. So that could definitely be a good thing to do, huh?
0: Yeah. So Okay. I, so that might be the cool way idea. I begin.
1: All right. So I think that'll be a beginning. I think you always have to have a beginning, some kind of intro, some way to connect to the students. So that might be a way to do that. And then kind of talk about maybe show some of the, the informational text that we have to show that's required. Do we have, I think we have some in our curriculum, you know how they always have the Mm -hmm. required stuff that we have to do. Sure. So I might, I might look at that a little bit, not sure, Uh, but maybe pull some interesting articles, Maybe.
0: Okay, so then what I want to do is now hang on have, real quick. But while I'm thinking about it, I have a question. Um, oh, okay, go ahead. Um, I have I have our curriculum documents. You know, for people for people who are listening, we're we're in the same subject, same grade level, same district, so we have the same stuff that we're hitting.
1: We're just at um, different
0: schools. Yeah. Different schools. And by the way, that's why my lesson that we're going to talk about next episode is on the next unit. Cause I knew we would, <laughs> I didn't want us you to do it.
1: <laughs> well, you'll be way ahead of me. That's not fair. I shouldn't have chosen
0: to go second or no, I'll I'm be
1: getting going I'll
0: be behind cause I'm skipping <laughs> a unit in my planning. So,
1: well, if you do my lesson, you'll be right on time.
0: Yeah. There we go. You're planning my next unit for me. Um, <laughs> Well, okay, so here's the one of the things that like I've noticed just kind of as a department chair and a literacy coach uh before that is a lot of teachers and one of my one of my mentors she always says English teachers feel like they have to start from ground zero every unit. Meaning every time you introduce informational text, you have to do um. Okay. What do we notice? Oh, there's pictures, right? I mean, how often oh, have these kids yes. been told that there's, there's pictures, pictures and information? You know what I mean? And, and like, did going you know there were the- captions? Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh my god! Exactly. I've heard. I've heard all of it, and you know they do it with fiction too. It's like, okay, what's like rising action. Like these kids have been hearing rising action for years at this point. That's like we do They need... have it memorized. And, and what, what she, what my uh, mentor always says, she was like, teacher, like kids will never grow if we just keep repeating the same stuff they've always heard and never just move on. And I was wondering like when you, when you're looking at informational text, um, are, are, are there going to be specific things? Are you going to let that discovery just happen with them and then kind of teach to what they notice about it?
1: Well, that's a good question. I like it to be a discovery. I'm usually a discovery Mm -hmm. teacher. I usually say, Well, what do y'all see? What do you see? You know, like a compare contrast type thing. Let's look at both of these. How are they similar and how are they different? And then we kind of brainstorm that. So that's, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's probably the way I need to do it is put some shorter ones out there and let them them look at it. Maybe Mm -hmm. even ask them, How is this different? or then then the way, you get your information. How's it yeah. different from what you tell me in your brainstorm?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Could do that. I'm wondering too, all of a sudden, like where we have, if they brainstorm, where they get their information from. I mean, I'm wondering if they could. No, never mind. I'm, I'm going on a tangent. Don't go on a tangent. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, don't do it. Don't do it. All right. So, okay. All right. So then the next thing I want them to do is I, I really. I I am actually, it's funny because um, some of my teachers that I've worked with in the past and even some now they'll say, well, I know that I'm mentioning formula and I know you're cringing right now as I talk about it. (laughs) So I'm not a formula person. Uh, I'm more of a, there's a structure, you know, that holds the paper together. There's certain things. I mean, Aristotle said there has to be a beginning, middle and end to all essays. So there's always a structure. Was that Aristotle? What I want this, huh? Was that Aristotle? Uh, Yes, it was Aristotle. You think I'd be playing with you there? It was
0: Aristotle. (laughs) I just learned something. That's funny.
1: (laughs) Yes, and you know, Plato was his teacher. You know that, right?
0: Yeah. Okay, I know that much.
1: Good. I'm so glad. Not everybody does. But it's kind of funny. But yeah, yeah. So uh, anyway, he wrote it in Poetics. So that's a book you probably need to read that's still around from Aristotle's right, right. time. Have you read it?
0: Uh, no, I've read no. like excerpts like through college, but I've never read like the entire thing.
1: Neither have I. I'm just playing around with you. Okay, so anyway. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it really is poetic. I mean, he really did write that. Yeah, <laughs> but I've right. only seen it so I've not read the whole <laughs> book. <laughs> but anyway, so but the thing is, is there's structure. So, I know that the students can have structure. So, I want them to learn that structure from what other people do. But I think sometimes when we when we structure them too much, we take their style and their voice out of it, and we insert our own. and that's that's when you mentioned earlier that teachers say, "I don't like my kids writing. I don't like to i get I'm bored with their essays." Well, that's one of the reasons because you, you're taking their voice out of it when you well, overdo
0: it. Well, here, you know what's funny about this is, in my department, we were having this discussion about um, freeing my kids. Just yelled, "We're we're having this discussion about freeing kids uh, to write and and not controlling them and using model text and saying." What do you notice? Okay, now go write. Right, like basically mm-hmm. showing them good stuff and then transferring it into their writing is kind of like a hey, these are just kind of the pieces that you have, um, and then I've had pushback from a teacher who was basically like, okay, it's fine if you're a writer and you have this freedom, but for kids who aren't writers who, and they, they, he was like, they basically need this structure to learn this specific style. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. and I'm sure, I don't know how many people listening to this kind of subscribe to that, or maybe have thought that like, well, if I don't give them a strict structure, there's no way they can write an essay. I mean, what's your, what's your thought process behind that?
1: Well, it's, it's instilled in me that, and this this actually Eddie Wilson, who was one of the co-founders for that New Jersey Writing Project in Texas. Of course, Dr. Carroll was the founder. Then he's they both have ran it all these years. But we had we had to we had to create a lesson and teach in front of them. And I started to show them all the patterns of an essay. Okay, and he stopped me right in the middle, and he said, "No, no, no. Here's how you do it." And he turned around, and it was like wow he took us through and and i use it and i have used it at all grade levels and that is he took us and he said what you have to say so he gave us like topics right and then he said choose one or choose your own topic doesn't matter just i think it was a topic that he gave us in this particular case just a topic not not a prompt just a topic You know, one word or whatever, right? So anyway, we went ahead and wrote. And uh, then from there, uh, he took it and he's, I think it was more of an argue. He said argue for that topic or against it. I can't remember. It's been, it has been a long time, but either way, it was more supposed to be for argument. So he said, create an argument for this, persuade us. Okay. And so we did, we all wrote, but then he said, okay, then he taught us the forms of typical essay, and then he said, okay, which one of y'all did this one? Raise your hand. Which of you did this one? Raise your hand. And every one of us, almost every one of those had been accomplished by the people that were sitting there. He didn't teach it to us first because he stopped me before I could do that because I was going to teach all the forms and have them practice all the different ones. And But he said, no, let them write because what they want to say will determine how they choose to say it. So Mm. when he did that, it was like really neat because he said, okay, how many of you did straw man? You know, I mean, he taught us the things. And then he said, how many of you did this? How many of you did that? And they were all, all five of of them were presented. It was, it was really kind of uh, interesting uh, how that, how that worked so i've taken that particular thing and i have ran with it with almost all my writing so i even tell the students what you want to say will determine how you say it we yeah, can always purpose, purpose drives form. It. yeah purpose drives form mm-hmm. yeah so um and he always said many meaning dictates form is what um i was you know that would always learn so anyway with that said when I get to the actual brainstorming for this writing, what I what I I've, this came about one time when I had a teacher. They were uh, was when I was teaching teachers, and they were wanting uh, to write an essay that they had to get published because that's one of the things we always did. We always did one for a personal anthology, but then we asked them to write to be published and uh, walked them through that. So she said, "I can't think of anything." So this kind of this idea kind of spawned from that, if you will. Uh, so what I did is I had her draw a frame. And I think I'm going to use this with this with these kids. But I had her draw a picture frame. You know how a picture frame has the border all the way around it? So it's like mm-hmm. a double border. And yep. you have the center where the picture would go. Well, in the center where the picture would go, I would have them. I'm just going to have my students do... Well, I might make them do four. I, sometimes I just have them do two. But one is their interest. One's their hobbies. These are columns. So four-column chart inside the picture frame. Okay? And inside that, they have a column for interest, a column for hobbies, a column for what they want to learn more about, and a column for their strongest opinions, things that they have a really strong opinion about. So what they do is they brainstorm. So you give them like a few minutes, maybe not even a few minutes, but about 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Think about all the things you're interested in. And I and I do some of mine, I model for them first. Like I'm interested in gardening, but I'm a very good failed gardener. So I wouldn't call it a hobby because I don't have time yet. But I do I'm interested and I read books about it. Cause one of these days, when I retire, maybe I might create this wonderful garden. <laughs>
0: You've been talking about So it's about an
1: interest. <laughs> I still haven't done it yet, but I'm still reading and I'm still buying magazines. Anyway, so I might put gardening there, but a hobby. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang, on. I don't, hang on.
0: I don't want to throw you off. I really don't. But you're, I have no, to you're bring good. This up.
1: You're not bothering I have me. To.
0: So we. Do you remember? We're in, it's like the end of the year, everyone's testing, right? And if anyone's ever been a coach and things are like, people are testing and all this other stuff, there's really not a lot to do as a coach. Like that's like the one time where like <laughs> academic coaches, literacy coaches don't really have a lot to do, right? Right. Um, right. We've already you done You and it. I mm-hmm. drew, went down this rabbit hole of like learning to farm because I was like, <laughs> we found I all this like. <laughs> <laughs> and you actually planted potatoes. Are you still growing them? <laughs> no. No, I failed. I failed, and then I quit. Uh, so maybe we need to do another
1: podcast. A <laughs> failed <laughs> <laughs> Gardner Scott podcast.
0: That's right. That's our. That's our next. No, that's, that's our, our that's retired our next, podcast.
1: That's our next venture. Oh my gosh, I forgot oh. all about that.
0: Yeah. So, I know a lot so about not... farming from that time actually. I I can't do it, Wait, but I know a lot about it.
1: See what I mean? So it's an interest, but it's not necessarily something you're gonna go out and do. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you <do> your... <laughs> I'm sorry. That was funny. <laughs> I don't care who you are. All right, so interest. So now you know. All right, so hobbies, you know. I don't know now you did throw me off, but that's okay. I'm good with it, but I give I'm them, yeah, sorry, sorry. You Now no, you're good. You're not bothering me. So, um, but something I want to learn more about, we both want to learn more about, or at that one time about gardening, but our interests have changed probably since then, but a strong opinion. We both have a strong opinion. I think of these kids need to be in school. So that yes. would be something that we could use as a model, you know, but I try to model it first and walk the kids through it okay so then they're going to do this and i'll probably it works better if I if they get uh, uh overwhelmed if i say do all of it so it'd be like okay now let's do the first column now let's do the second column okay and then i help them along now what's my frame about my frame is the top of the frame is possible genres so they list all the different t- genres. So I think we have to show them all different ways that they can do informational text. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not sure no. how that's going to work.
0: I think, no, I think it will. So how, uh, I mean, so from them generating ideas, so from intro to them generating ideas to then showing a bunch of different ways to do it, what, what time frame do you think that's going to take?
1: Well, I'm wanting this to go through to the end of the, Six weeks. I'm expecting them to work at least two weeks on it. Off and on. Yeah. With reading some informational text along the way. Sure. Cause our I think what they're working what we well, we have already worked on the right the reading. And we're doing that triangle fire about the triangle fire. Uh-huh. Uh we're, so we're gonna do a thing with uh with labor and safety, because that's in our curriculum. Uh, so we're doing that. We're going to talk about, uh, that's a whole nother lesson, but that's going to be going on at the same time as this one. So we're going to talk about, uh, cocoa. There's a, an article in, in news, New or news ELA, however people say it. Anyway, we have this article about, uh, how they're farming cocoa with children. And so we're, we're going to ask them you know, whether or not they, they want candy. I mean, do they want, should they ban chocolate, not candy, but should they ban chocolate based on that?
0: I had a student on last year, uh, write a whole article about that. She was, okay. she was talking about, um, <clears throat> she wrote about, uh, all the like different candy brands that basically source their work from specific areas, and she okay. was basically saying, like, there are ethical brands out there, but there's a lot of unethical brands. It was really interesting. It was, it was a fun read. Right. So it's
1: kind of like that. So we've got a whole lesson for reading set up that way. And we're using, we've got about four different uh, informational text that way. So we could do that. But anyway, my thought was, look at genres. Okay. Uh, and then, so the top of the frame is about genres, where they can list possible genres based on what we've learned about informational text. They can add to that as they learn. Uh, audience. So, so here's the idea. is they list, then they go through and they list. And the one thing, like you could have gardening, if you will, because you and I are gardeners now. Anyway, we could have, totally. be interested, <laughs> interested in gardening. And we might make it a hobby, Okay, and then we might have a strong opinion about what soil we need to use or what things we need to do with our potatoes based on what we've learned, right? So if something goes all the way across the page, then that's something you're probably passionate about. So that might be one that you choose to write about. It's the one that you really feel the strongest about based on what you ended up brainstorming. So you can have something on more than one column.
0: Well, and I think it's important to point out, just to kind of circle back to what you said um like 20 minutes ago, which was this idea of kind of uh, examining what informational text is and then uh, and treating test writing as its own genre. Because in in Texas, right, in seventh grade, our kids on the star test have to write uh, basically a 26-line expository essay, right? Right. And each uh, essay is prompted by a question that's something along the lines of, Explain why it's good to have a best friend, right? <laughs> right, right. And a, and uh, the fear a lot of teacher have a lot of teachers have during that is just like, oh, well, I, we need to drill this this model of writing over and over again throughout. School in order to get them to write. Now, luckily, uh, you and I share this philosophy, but I was told very early on, even before I kind of met you and had sat in your trainings and, and later became colleagues, which is you don't teach non-writers to write school writing. You teach writers to then condense their writing into school writing. Right? The people who right. write the best essays and the best thesis and the best doctoral stuff are aren't people who learn to do that stuff necessarily because the the school wants them to. They do it because they're writers. And they mm-hmm. had they wrote or they enjoy writing. And they just, it, when I learned how to write from my master's programs, I was already a writer. So it was just a matter of taking my skill set and turning it into a different genre, right? And mm-hmm. this, I feel like a lot of teachers might cringe at the idea of even allowing a student, hey, you have this informational piece about. Um, let's say they were inspired by the chocolate, right? And they wanted to do um, a- explaining kind of where chocolate comes from and how it's labored or, you know, maybe they want to do technology and talk about how iPhones are made and like how they're made in sweatshops overseas and everything um, or, or any type of thing, Nike shoes, right? Um, right. Let's say they want to do that in a, poet, in a poem form. They want to give us an informational piece told through poetry Um, I think Mm -hmm. you and I would both agree that I think that's perfectly valid. Even a higher order level of thinking involved to do that Mm -hmm. uh, or do it through story. Could you write a short story, not only letting me know about the labor practices of chocolate industries, but what if you were a character who was in that labor? What if you wrote from one of their point of views? What could you tell us by not only... Writing a relatively fictional story about a character, but using non-fictional facts to inform what they're – like that level of thinking, getting kids to take that leap into taking information and thinking about what is an effective way to convince someone that this is bad, even through an informational piece. And I think this is a good teaching point as well, which is – Information these days, especially these days, is is not just information wherever. There is no non-biased piece of media that I can think of. Um, Even relatively fair sources of information have a bias, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's Mm -hmm. being literate. It's not bad, right? I think just being human... things are biased, right? Just having, just being alive, you're biased to certain things. So it's not a negative thing, but it's only negative if you aren't aware of the source and what their biases are. Right. So, Mm -hmm. um, if you like, for instance, if you're listening to someone like a chocolate company, tell us how bad Nestle is because of this, this, and this, um, I just use Nestle. I have no idea if they're one of the actual people who use those type of labor, so um just as an example but if you if you're making a commercial like that, I need to know that oh you're you're their competition, of course, you have something to gain by painting their practices in a certain light, right right um right. this goes to political arguments if I'm listening to. A certain news outlet. I need to know which way they lean. If I don't already, I need, and that informs me of how they approach certain issues. And everyone's seen this: an article written about a, a particular political person on Fox is going to be could be entirely different on NBC or CNN, right? And that's I, I'm not. You know, I think there's there's issues with the way we have information in America, but I think at its core, if you're a literate person and you understand how information's made and why it's made in the modern age to get clicks or views or reads then it becomes less evil and more about are you doing your due diligence as an informed citizen to inform yourself about the information you're consuming and then you get to decide what side you pick like i it, it, that's how it is and i that's a this is everything you're talking about the way you've structured this idea Um, the, the, the philosophy behind using authentic text, authentic reasons for reading information, like besides like, Hey kid, let's read this article and answer nine questions about it. Right. Yes. Going, going beyond that and into why do we read information in the first place? What types of information and why do people give us information? Why is this, why do they call? The age we live in, the information age, right? Why is that so important that it's literally defined as something significant to the technological revolution? That concept is so next level in terms of how we approach English curriculum that mm-hmm. I, I think this is this is the what we're doing in my opinion, is we are being agents for change in a positive way. We are creating – the kids we are educating now are going to fix the problems that we didn't foresee when information was just now taking off. I mean, you have to remember, like – I mean, you're you're older than me, so you've seen a lot more technological revolution, but the iPhone was invented when I was in high school, right? Right, right. Like, that was really the beginning of having everything at your fingertips, having – access to all of this information, having access to every possible news tweet, every possible news post. Um, and people didn't. People still today, I would argue, don't know how to shift through all of the information and what we're doing, providing this authentic purpose. I, I, I think it's the difference maker. I really do.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I do too. And that's what I'm wanting is I'm wanting the student. Plus, we write better when we write about what we know most about. Yes, and what we care most about, and so coming from those principles of what you just talked about in this, I think I think it might work. But yeah, I want the kids to choose, and then one frame is a genre. The one of the other frames is for the audience, where they can brainstorm their audience. Then they can brainstorm. Where places it could be published, that'd be towards the end if I continue this. And then the bottom, I have the bottom of the frame is messages that they want people to know about what they're thinking. So these are ideas that they want to get across to people. So it's the beginning, if you will, of a thesis. So it's just that's where I want to go. And then from there, they choose one, they write, and then I've already kind of shared with you how I'm going to approach. So these are the structures. What did y'all choose? And let's listen for each other's
0: structure. Well, and and I love I love the the boxes because that Mm -hmm. that informs their reading too, right?
1: Yeah, because I think yeah, yeah, go ahead, go go ahead. ahead, go ahead no, no, I think that's 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 a good point because what they're gonna end up doing, and I think what I really wanna do, Jacob, is this is for informational text, but then I started looking up argumentative text I did something similar right before COVID and COVID messed it all up so I started this idea right before COVID but it was with argumentative text and I had uh, a student one I remember one he did guitars he, he just loves guitars and he goes can I do something about ar- uh, guitars I said well can you argue anything about guitars is there any ethical issue about guitars that you may have well, is there one better than the other and then he was like, oh, my goodness. And his mother even called me and said, my son loves your class because you let him learn about guitars. So, I mean, the mother loved me. That's all that matters, right? If the moms are loving me because their kids are happy, that's all. That, that's not the only thing that matters. But it doesn't <laughs> hurt. It's a big thing. It's a big thing. It doesn't hurt. And then another one, he was interested in, and I had some GT kids in this class. And this one was one of my GT kids. And he was one that never lost a point on a test. You know, he's always 100. I started giving him tests from high school. He's still always, I never could find one he couldn't do. So he was really brilliant. One of the things he did is he's, he was a drummer. I think i think this is the one part I shared with you from last year. But he was a drummer. And uh, he's all into sound. There's just something about sound that intrigues him. And so he I asked him, he goes, how can I do sound? I just want to talk about sound. And I said, well... Let's think about that. What is it that you like about sound? He goes, well, I like the way it makes me feel like music. I like the way music makes me feel. I like, I said, well, is there anything ethical about that? Just asking that question, because we were trying to do argument. He was like, well, I don't know. I said, well, maybe you need to look at, look that up. Maybe how does, how does it impact the brain? So he started looking it up and he found subliminal messaging and things like that, that people do with sounds that we don't know we're hearing. And he found some ethical things about that and started arguing. But before he even argued his point, he had to talk about how sound impacted the brain. So it did instruct his reading because guess what he was reading about now? I mean, his whole entire reading, what he would have read if I had not done this, was totally different in rigor than what he ended up reading. Because what he, he read about brain and, you know, he was saying, Ms. Ochoa, did you know that this part is the speech part of the brain? And, I mean, he was talking about stuff, I mean, how it came in through the ear and and all of that and how it impacted that. Did you know, Ms. Ochoa, that impacted the amygdala? You know, did you know that the hippocampus is where the brain processes uh, feelings? And I'm like, really? You know, but, I mean, he would have never, I mean, he was learning more science than he was in science. Because exactly. of that. So I kind of want to carry this idea all the way through these pieces. And if a child, like us in our gardening, since we're so <laughs> wonderful at it, we <laughs> might need to switch. <laughs> we might need to switch to something else. Move from potatoes and roses and go to something right. else. But we can switch. There's nothing wrong with abandoning an idea um, because sometimes your ideas change as you learn.
0: Well, and that's kind anyway. of even if. Like, you know, even if the ideas that you're helping these kids discover or these arguments you're helping them realize they have or passions or beliefs and all this other stuff, even if it doesn't lead to a change in their reading habits today, it's seeds, right? I mean, I feel like half the stuff we do in writing workshop and reading workshop is planting seeds for future discovery. Like, I've there's so often like – we'll do a lesson and kids will go, Oh, what was that? And they'll like, that'll be something that triggers a thought months from now and it sends them down a path. You know, there. you know, the argument, like the, the common thing amongst like adults and like on social media is like, well, there's no point in arguing with someone cause most people aren't going to change their minds anyway. And I fundamentally disagree with that because what you do when you have a quality discourse, right? I'm not talking like flame wars where you're just like trying to insult people. But when you literally have good debate or good conversations with people that disagree with you, what happens is you create seeds and seeds get planted in your mind. I have changed my mind, not within a debate, but far after when a seed grew and changed into something else. And I think that is, um, That is something undervalued in education because we want immediate results, right? We have – whatever we teach has to show up on the test the next day. And in some cases, that's true. There are school aspects to what we do. But I would say in the vast majority of cases for what we're trying to do in authentic learning through reading and writing workshop, what we're trying to do is cultivate, if you will, in their gardens ways (laughs) – for their ideas to grow and to blossom. And the more we water those ideas and the more we let them sprout and germinate and fuse new combinations of plants. Well, wow, I'm taking that metaphor really deep. If you you really the
1: are. more. You, that's an the extended more... <laughs> metaphor for those who want to
0: know. <laughs> the more we do that, uh, the more variety we the, the, they will have in their learning, in their interest. And I think that's just, that's how you, that's, that's what makes quality citizens. That's what makes quality people is the people that have the variety and the experience and the background knowledge to reach out and to know that there's other possibilities for their ideas. And, um, I, I I don't know. I love this whole lesson. This is, this is brilliant stuff.
1: Well, I'm hoping it's going to work. I I think it will. I I think it's because what they'll do is they'll write and then they'll come back and we'll start tweaking it. So I'll teach them something else, I'll teach them something else, and then they always go back into their writing using their craft and draft. So when they do the draft part, uh, I might say something like, um, well, let's do, uh, pr- pr- you know, pick a declarative sentence and give me an example, or, you know, look through your, your papers. What does the common person not know? And see if we need to add definitions in our writing. So there may be some places where and that's what that's what's coming next is I've got a pinpoint and I haven't got it figured out. I have to look at the standards and figure out what we're supposed to be teaching. And then making sure that the kids can go back into their writing and do those things. So make it better until I run out of time and they run out of time and we have to turn it in.
0: And I just... I. <sighs> I man, if people aren't like if their notes aren't filled with this episode, I don't know who's are because I've I've been jotting down stuff. I mean, it's good stuff, okay. and I think even if like you know every everyone's mileage may vary. Everyone has different mandates they have to follow. Everyone has different schools. You know, if you're right. in a different country, you might have a different situation altogether. But I think the core of what we're talking about is valid across. Um, state lines. I think it's valuable across countries. I think it's valuable everywhere, which is freeing kids to realize that this stuff doesn't have to be so sterile. And, and the practices of yesterday of how to introduce kids to informational text, um, they don't apply anymore because it's not, you know, when I think our ultimate goal should be like, what's real world literacy and how's best to, to influence kids into that. Now that doesn't mean ignore, um, the, the fundamentals right We're Under no circumstances or what we're talking about Advocating for that what we're talking About is uh, Taking fundamentals and going beyond Them like it's time like in for Like these kids consume so much Information that We we don't even know like this whole idea Um the the latest axe Book i think it's the third edition Is that what it is right. or is it it's the fourth th- edition it's The a, blue it's one?
1: third edition
0: yeah so For people mm-hmm. that don't know the axe Um I'll, I'll link this – I'm going to edit this and I'm going to I'll remind myself to link this in the show notes for everyone listening to this episode. I highly recommend this book because they have – I think it's worth it just for the intro alone because they talk about like the levels of where writing has gone. And what they talk about um, at the beginning of Acts is they, – they name it Totus if I'm pronouncing it correctly. But right. it's this idea that modern people and modern kids specifically – um, the, it's no, their learning is no longer segmented in the real world. Yet our education is still segmented. Everything they learn is a combination of everything else, and it happens all the time. And the they're they're learning through TikTok, and they're learning through YouTube, and they're learning through Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat. They're learning through all of this stuff, and I and as. Um, adults, like I don't understand half of the social media accounts I just mentioned, but I'm trying, I stay aware enough to know that that's where they're learning and our lessons should reflect the totality of what they're learning. Because I think a lot of kids check out of our classrooms because we're so, we're behind a little bit, you know, we, education has not education in a lot of ways is still a product of the industrial age. And we are far past that at this point. And it's continuing to get faster and faster. So I think these ideas of combining ideas of combining genres of freeing kids to do that stuff, I think it's not bucking the system. It's, it's evolving with children is what I think it is. And, um, I think you do that. I think, um, we both try to attempt that through craft and draft and just our way of thinking in general. And I hope mm-hmm. everyone listening to this is kind of on the same boat, but we're going to stop it there. Cause we're about at an hour. Miss Ochoa. Oh my goodness. I love, you know, fast. our, we literally, I know when we have good ideas, we literally said, you know, this might be like a 30 minute episode. I don't think it's ever <laughs> we <were> wrong. <laughs> well, you know, I don't even know why we even hope for that. When we talk on the phone, this is about how long each conversation goes anyway. Right. Um, But for anyone listening, guys, check out every episode at craftthedraftworkshop.com. If you enjoy this episode, leave a review, tell Ochoa over there in the review of how awesome her lesson was, drop some ideas down, talk about what you learned, what what challenged you, if something challenged you, all of that stuff. Um, Go deep into it. Leave a review. If you can't leave a review, hit that star button. Those star ratings really do help us in the podcast ranking. Share this with your teacher friends. Share it in post. Workshop go viral again because we need more people talking about reading writing workshop in the English teaching community, especially secondary, which is our primary focus here on this podcast. Though not limited to secondary, we are open to the elementary grades. And in fact, I want to teach elementary one day, but that is neither here nor there. Go check out all that stuff if you loved this episode support us by doing that. That is the number one way. Go check out the podcast. Hit subscribe in your podcast app so you get every episode. It drops every single Friday, Thursday night, if you're super fast, but every single Friday for you to listen and get inspired every single weekend for reading and writing workshop education. But until then, you guys, until next Friday, until my lesson, know that we're here for you.